Hello everyone, uh, this is Jacob, also known as Big Yellow Praxis. I'm here with another episode about underrated music. This time I'm going to talk about uh, a band which is... I don't know how to explain what I feel about this band. They're unique, they're different, they're called Gentle Giant. They're definitely, they're not a big band. They're, I think they definitely fit under the, the kind of general rubric of underrated. They're not really well, no, well known enough to be overhated. Um, but we'll, we'll get onto that. They're, they're an interesting band. So every episode of this podcast, I talk about underrated music and I cover a lot of progressive rock. I cover a lot of folk music, I cover a bit of funk and soul, pretty much whatever. But, uh, you know, my heart has always been with progressive rock music and Gentle Giant are in many ways the kind of quintessential British progressive rock band in a way. Hmm, in a way, I don't know. We'll get onto that in a bit. Uh, it's 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 a it's an interesting picture and an interesting story. So this episode, I am joined by Jake from the band Sleep Circle, who I'm going to let introduce himself and talk a bit about their music. Hey, I am Jake from Sleep Circle. Uh, we're based in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Jacob. I'm really happy to be here. It's all right. So I w- I was listening to your music in advance of this podcast, and it's not. I sent it to you before we actually started this. It's not usually the kind of music I listen to, but I, I, I liked it. It's particularly like the song I, I mentioned it before as well, Leave Your Eyes, which I think I'd like to we'll clip in here for people to listen to. And I said to you before as well that it reminded me of a band called King's X, who are a little bit progressive, but you don't seem to have heard of. So just so you do know, it's a it's a good comparison. It was a favorable comparison. Uh, and hopefully when you listen to them, you won't be offended. But I like them. Um, so your music's not it's not really progress. It's a bit proggy, maybe in a wider sense, but not not directly. So it's more kind of heavy isn't it yeah i mean i don't think we ever go out with the intention to write a progressive song but i think um as we kind of develop and and work together we we kind of put things together in a new way all the time and and sometimes that is very progressive. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so how would you generally describe your sound because again it's not it's not my genre necessarily, so I, I I would find it hard to sum it up to people other than it's heavy. And it's... Uh, you know, and a lot of the time we do say heavy rock, for lack of a better term. Um, but I, I think to, to kind of sum it up, we can kind of um, name drop our, our influences a little bit. Um, the boys are all big fans of Alice in Chains. Uh, which I think is is quite apparent in a lot of the music. Um, things like Mastodon. Um, I mean, for me, um, my personal musical taste, I think one of my favorite artists is Nick Cave. So I draw a lot of inspiration from him and, and Tom Waits. But I think that's more of like a the lyrical side of things. But uh, the, the yes, musical yeah. side comes from like the, <clears throat> the classic rock and and grunge kind of uh stuff that yeah, i was yeah. raised on yeah yeah cool so given that you're not necessarily super into prog this playlist that i sent you of gentle giant must have been a little bit interesting it, i don't know it was interesting i feel like i'm i i wasn't completely thrown off because i have 
I have listened to some progressive rock before. So, I mean, having listened to In the Court of the Crimson King, I think Gentle Giant was like not not that far off. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely in the same wheelhouse of, of possibilities. Yes, yes, yes. I, I think Gentle King Crimson are one of the closer bands to, to compare to them. So for people who are listening who maybe haven't heard Gentle Giant. They're an early 70s progressive rock band. Um, there were three brothers in the band who were all Scottish from Glasgow, and they were generally a British band. And for anyone who knows what 70s progressive rock is like, it's, I don't know, I mean, I love it, and it's it's hard to describe it to people who aren't into it in a way that doesn't make them kind of turn their nose up even more. But it was kind of, in many ways, it was it was a way of, progressing hence the name rock even further past what the beatles and bands like that were doing in the late 60s and kind of take make it a bit more complex um and as a genre i it, i really like the eccentricity of it i find it very very creative and imaginative and you know i do like the fact that i do like the heavy sides of it as well as the more whimsical sides and to me gentle giant feel like so I'm going to speak quite vaguely here. We'll get into more detail with the actual individual songs. But for me, this is kind of my pitch, I guess. This is my pitch. They're kind of a good combination of the dark, heavier side with quite a lot of the whimsical side of progressive rock. That's how it feels to me sometimes. But I don't want to kind of preamble too much when actually we should get into the, the, the kind of the meat of the songs themselves, which I really like. I, I try to choose a, a relatively diverse pick of songs, but... You know what, I think it'll be easy if I pass it on to you and you can just choose one of the songs that was on the playlist. So there were four songs. Just yeah. choose one, whether it's your favorite, least favorite, for whatever reason, and we'll just talk about that for a little bit. Well, I think uh, I think let's start with Wreck. Wreck uh, was my personal favorite. Um... To me, it sounds like like King Crimson, but with uh, the singer of Uriah Heap on vocals. It's like the best comparison yeah. I could make. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I was I was into it from start to finish, I think. Yeah. Not not gonna be an everyday listen, but <laughs> Yes, yeah. I, I I think you've kind of actually some like that little phrase by itself has summed up how I feel about Gentle Giant actually. I do like them and when I when I listen to them I think this is this is cool. But they're not an everyday listen in the way that even a lot of their contemporaries have been for me. And I think it is, it is that eccentricity. It's kind of everything, everything that's weird about progressive rock has kind of been dialed up to 11 for these guys. Um, and Wreck is an interesting song for me. I think it's a really good choice as your favorite. It probably is my favorite, um, possibly my favorite song by the band at all, but I think it is my favorite of the four. And I guess it feels a bit more like a normal song than the rest i think that, that was what it, it what drew me to it because i can kind of feel like the skeleton of like a song that i would be super hooked on you know and it's you yes. can you yeah, can yeah. see through that but then they, they've they've also added their own flavor to it which is really it's it's truly unique yeah, yeah it is so i'm <laughs> on the subject of flavor um, have you seen the album cover for this? Uh, did you did you did you manage to uh, have a little look at that? I don't think that I did. Oh, oh! I wow. think you should have a a, a little look and uh, get back to me on your thoughts. Now this is okay. Now what al- What year did this album come out? 
Uh, I believe it was 1971. Oh, okay. So uh, I yeah, guess we, we probably don't have uh, enough fuel for like a Rolling Stones lawsuit on this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good, though. I like that. So what does it look like to you? Well, I, I mean, it's it's obviously a tongue. I think he's... Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I feel like this guy's eating ass. Like, <laughs> so yes, that that is that is what the album cover is, right? That's what it looks like. But you know, this was in the this is 1971. This is in the days of vinyl. And actually, if you fold out the entire thing, you fold it out, and it's um it's a peach. Oh, um, okay. And it's kind of it's kind of like a self self um deprecating joke that they're making that basically they're saying that at first listening to these songs will taste like ass but then you'll realize that they're quite sweet and tasty which <laughs> i i can't help but congratulate the guys on their self-awareness that's um, true you know, i mean i yeah. they they perfectly summed up how to appreciate progressive rock yes. music you yeah, know? yeah yeah <laughs> and it's one of those things it is one of it's a I, I I like the album cover in a way, but it's also not something, you know. I like you know some vinyl, uh, you know, artwork is beautiful, and it's the kind of thing that you could put up on your wall. Mm-hmm. Um, this it's interesting, it's well done. I'm not sure how keen I would to have it up in my living room. <laughs> See, I feel like I would. I, I I love vinyl collecting as well, and I feel like this is something that I probably would have bought just based on impulse. Um, I don't know what that says about us, about our respective choices in life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Who knows? I mean, uh, we're sitting, uh, we're both sitting in front of guitars. We have to be degenerates. Yes. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you might be right on that. Um, so the song itself, I think the song is almost a sea shanty. It's the closest thing that you could almost call that they did. Like, And it, obviously sea shanties are quite relevant now. They suddenly kicked off on yeah. TikTok. Which is great. I feel like the rest of the world has caught up with me finally because I've been, <laughs> yeah, I've been been into sea shanties for years. Um, and this is obviously not a sea shanty in a way because it's really weird and complex and kind of all over the place. But lyrically, and it does have that kind of folksy melody. It does, just, and the kind of like flow and yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's whereas a sea shanty obviously has a lot of. Uh, harmony vocals and things like that and it feels very homely and very rustic this feels very spooky or alien and that is i I feel that's a big vibe with gentle giant throughout all of their music um they try to be unsettling if you will yes and i i do wonder whether they were trying to specifically be emotionally unsettling but i do know for a fact that um they were very much trying to i there was a quote i can't I think I have it here, actually. So what, what they specifically said was their, like, stated aim, and I, I do feel like they probably succeeded, was... And it this is a very proggy thing to say, so, you know, if you're sensitive to pretentious remarks, then maybe steer away, but um, <laughs> this is what they said. So their aim was to expand the frontiers of contemporary music at the risk of becoming very unpopular. And wow. That feels about right when you hear the music. Yeah, um, I... I don't think you could have you could have hit the nail more on the head with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like at the very least they they are doing what they set out to do, and they would they never had much chart success or anything like that. They were never huge, but they have definitely got like a cult following. And as I said before, they're kind of the epitome of seventies progressive rock in a way. Um, whereas I'm trying to think of a different example. Let's say 
King Crimson could be quite far out there. They could do some weird stuff. I feel at the end of the day, a lot of their music at the center of it is quite a normal rock song mm. quite often. Like it just, like they can just rock out in a normal way. Um, yeah. I think it's, there's something to be said about that. And I mean, I think maybe it's just because of R- Robert Fripp's kind of how prolific he is, you know, but I yes, mean, yeah. this is kind of unrelated, but a, a quote that I, I could use to, to kind of tie it all back together is, uh, is uh, Liam Gallagher talking about Tom York saying, he "Oh, could, I've not heard. What did he say?" He said he could shit into a light bulb and play it like a jug, and it would sell a million copies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Actually, I think that is applicable to Robert. Fripp. He has a. He does have a very weird style, and yeah, it probably is primarily Robert Fripp's influence within king crimson that made it as weird as they are but they always had like maybe they had greg lake or they had john wetton who were kind of writing like almost a normal song really yeah and then robert fripp and maybe whoever else added weirdness on top and robert fripp does have a weird approach to guitar i remember when i was younger maybe just trying to cop that style a bit and i just realized that it's just not my i i love hearing it i really do lo- love listening to it but it's not it's just not in me to play like that. I don't know. Um, I feel yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I feel similarly about Gentle Giant. Except whereas King Crimson have that core of a normal song, Gentle Giant very rarely do. And I think Wreck is probably one of the examples when they kind of do. It sounds like a normal song that they <laughs> yeah. just. Um, it's like a, it's like a normal song on Salvia. I guess that would be my comparison. <laughs> um, that's kind of how I feel about this uh, Gentle Giant song. Um, but yeah, I, I am inclined to agree that it is, is one of my favorite ones. Um, so for people, for people listening, I, I, d- I don't know where I'll include it. There'll be a, a little sample of the song itself, but, um, it's, yeah, without going too much into like the music theory and there's a lot of like, uh, chromaticism and they, you know, really lean heavily just on like minor modes throughout their music generally, but there's also just shifts in um time signature especially that is one of the things that gentle giant i think did probably more than most probably any other progressive rock band um was pushed the time signature yeah yeah it just you know you can't just stick to four four for longer than 30 seconds that's just so passe <laughs> it's it's a strange attitude they have which again i, th- I think yes i think i think there'll be a similar theme going through these songs is that they're always weird and interesting and i find them enjoyable in certain amounts, but they're not for me. And it sounds like you're similar necessarily like daily listening. Totally. Um, but you know what? It's, I, I can say with confidence that this is something that I, I will revisit, you know, it's just, just like there's, there's certain, um, even, even though they are, they might be mainstream or, or whatever. It's still just certain things you save for a rainy day. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I feel like saving Gentle Giants music for a rainy day is odd because... Well, maybe save I it think... for a rainy day if you've got some acid or something. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think... So I chose, for this playlist, I chose two songs from this album. So I don't know whether you want to move on to the next song from the same album first or move on to a totally different song. You can do them in the order you wish, actually, and then we'll talk, talk through them. I guess the next one was Giant, eh? That's off the... That was off their debut album, yeah. Have you seen the album cover for this one, then? No, I'm trying to look it up right now. Wow, okay, that's... I. I you know what, this is like looking into the future. 
<laughs> this is me in, in like 40 years. <laughs> Actually, I hope not. <laughs> um, so... This for me is actually another kind of comparison point for King Crimson because it's like a, a weird mirror image version of um, In the Court of the C Crimson King um, album cover. Whereas that is like a man, I don't know how to describe the Court of the Crimson King album cover. It's a man who's clearly in, racked in pain or something like that. It's kind yeah, of Yeah, like having an existential crisis or... Yes, yeah, yeah. This is similarly ugly, but it's kind of a little... I assume that is supposed to be the titular gentle giant, but he kind of looks more like a hobbit to me. He's like a little grinning yeah, hobbit fellow. They should have like included the rest of his body to kind of give it a little bit of perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need some kind of reference for size here because to me it looks like a hobbit. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so this was off their... This song is called Giant and it's off their debut album, Gentle Giant. They almost hit the unholy trinity there, you know, like we got Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on the uh, on the album Black Sabbath. They yeah. didn't quite do that, and I feel like that's a little bit of a missed opportunity. But whatever, I I, I will forgive them. I will forgive them that. Um, so, what did you think about this song? Well, I I mean, I can say I think uh, being being a lyricist, the lyrics are what stood out to me the most on this one. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, they're kind of telling the tale of how the giant came to be. You know, mm -hmm. and um, definitely not not my favorite, but uh, it's it's not it's no wreck either. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See what you did there. Um, so lyrically, it's a good point to raise, like Gentle Giant's lyrical approach, because again, just as with their music, they're always they were always kind of pushing these boundaries and not necessarily particularly bothered about you know pop sensibilities or whatever you want to call it. They had weird, odd, lyrical touchstones, I guess. So key things that kind of recur is, you know, that kind of medieval fantasy feel, which is never done directly. It's never quite, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, like Battle for Evermore by uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. It's never quite... It's never quite They're as not whipping directly... up the fucking loot or whatever. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's not quite the Dungeons and Dragons thing, but it's near there. And it, it feels a little bit more genuinely medieval as well as being a lot darker mm -hmm. and weirder. And one of the key parts of that is, um, so there was, um, and I'm going to mispronounce this because I don't really know that much about it, but there was a, I think it was a 15th or 16th century French writer called Rabelais. I probably, I think it's Rabelais, but I shouldn't really try to do the uh, French R. <laughs> and they, they, for some reason, I don't know why they, they seem to really like using his like lyrical, his themes in their lyrics. So he wrote um, like a big... I guess it was a novel called Pantagruel and... Oh, what was it called? Gargantua and Pantagruel. Um, wow. Which is this, like, big story. And I've not read it. I'm I'm never probably going to read it, even in translation, <laughs> because it just seems <laughs> wacky as hell. But it's this kind of, like, carnivalesque story about two giants who get into kind of ridiculous adventures and things like that. And so they don't necessarily directly 
touch upon that in the lyrics to this song, but it's about a giant and they're called gentle giant. So there's kind of connections. There. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just contributes to the weird, again, I don't know how else to describe it. The weird feeling of the band. It's like, that's kind of their thing. It's mm. their shtick. Like every song they seem to think, well, how I could almost imagine someone in the band coming to them and being like, oh, I've written this song. And they go, yeah, yeah, but where's the weirdness? Where, yeah, where's the weirdness? How are we going to, how are we going to make this weird? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I've always, I've always been curious about other people's process for, for writing songs, I guess. And for these guys, yeah, it, it feels particularly alien. It almost seems like they, like you said, like, yeah, somebody comes in with the skeleton of the song and they're like, okay, this is great, but forget everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're yeah, gonna yeah. go get high and then we're gonna come yes, back yeah. and and th- there'll be no time signatures those are just yeah. i i feel like they've they've tried to push them they they definitely push the boundaries and i'm i'm really glad that gentle giant existed in the era that they did because mm-hmm. i feel like if you tried to release this record now it, it it just wouldn't go over so well, you know. I mean, I think uh, people yeah, people I, I, would assume they were were pretentious before giving the music an actual chance. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, this era. yeah. Yeah. And I do think there probably was a bit of that. I mean, there definitely was a bit of that attitude in the seventies with progressive rock. But honestly, when I hear this kind of music. Yeah, they're trying to write overly complex music, but to me, it just sounds like a bunch of guys having fun. And their idea of fun is maybe not the same as everyone else's idea of fun. But to me, I I can I can really hear them having fun in the music. And I think yeah. that really shines through. I think that's important with music. And I think it's obvious when someone's just trying a bit too hard, whereas these guys are a little bit more playful. Um, but I was going to say, so as I said before, they kind of do dial the ridiculousness up to 11. But at the same time, I feel the songs can be quite sparse feeling. They're not, do you know what I mean? It's, if you listen to something like Yes or King Crimson, I feel like there are layers upon layers. Whereas this, you've got different parts that are quite complex, but they're not, yeah, it's not a very dense mix, is it? Does that make sense? No, it's, it's kind of what you hear is what you get. I mean, you might get more things the more you go back and listen as with anything, but but yeah, it's it's definitely... Here we are. We're gentle giants. I think a large part of this weird eclectic approach they had, well, it definitely did come down to the the mix of musicians they had in their band. Their guitarist was pretty much, particularly when he started, very much more of a straightforward kind of blues guitarist who kind of stepped up to the plate and really met the challenge of the other people in the band who were a bit more ridiculous and complex. And then you've got the three brothers who, um, as I said before, were all from Glasgow. Um... So, yeah, they were the Shulman brothers. Um, and they, I'm not sure how classically trained they were, but they were—they definitely were a big part of the kind of eccentricity. And then you had Kerry Minier, who was, who was a classically trained musician. And he, I think, is the one who's bringing a lot of, there is some strange stuff that, you know, there's some Renaissance music influences in G- uh, Gentle Giant and there's some like choral music. And I think it's probably primarily coming from him. And I think that's what a lot of progressive rock was about. Like just getting these people from all over the place and just making this music, which just sounds like an insane combination of all of mm-hmm. them. Um, so that's how you end up with a song like Wreck or like Giant. Um, Giant. They do rock, though, don't they? I was just thinking. They yeah. Think- 
you they know, do rock. It's it's strange. I think I'm going to repeat myself a lot in this podcast. It's strange. It's a strange experience listening to this because it is that weird combination of unsettling and weird and rocking um, that not many other bands do. Um, but yeah, which which song do you want to talk about next? Stu, mm, the house, the street, the road. To the house, the street, the room. Uh, which the is, room. Yes, which is also off the album Acquiring the Taste. So, did you feel like you acquired the taste? Um, I feel like this playlist, um, I, I don't know. I almost feel like it would have been better the other way around because then we could have like worked up to it. But I mean, this, this song in itself is, is great. I think again, lyrically it's, uh, lyrically, I mean, it, I, I hate to keep bringing up the lyrics because I know that, that, uh, that, uh, the, the progressive nature of it. But I think again, uh, what was the name of the primary lyricist in, in Gentle Giant? Uh, so I think it was one of the Shulman the Shulman brothers. brothers. I could be... Yeah, so it was Phil. Phil Shulman. There's, there's too many Shulmans. It gets confusing. Uh, <laughs> Phil Shulman. I think but was... You know what? I mean, that's that's convenient. Like, I, I, I can safely say, like, my brother played drums a little bit, but I don't think he ever got good enough to be in a band. But damn, would that have been convenient? <laughs> yes yeah, yeah yeah no it's to- it's totally true like clearly clearly a talented family but yeah it's definitely convenient just have your little brother like play the other instruments or something with you yeah um because you don't have to pay him as much like <laughs> i like how your mind goes straight there it's like oh yeah we can just shame <laughs> um i was gonna say so all three of the shulman brothers were brought up in an area of glasgow called the gobbles which if you're from the uk you would know this but it's a very famously poor part of Glasgow. I mean, very, very, like, working class. Very, I mean, it's... I'm sure at one point it was probably had one of the the shortest life expectancies in Europe. I'm pro- I don't think that's an exaggeration. Like, it, these are the kind of facts that I've heard about. Like, oh, there are parts of Glasgow that have a lower life expectancy wow. than some random other country. And it's always about, like, the gobbles. And these guys were brought up there when it was even poorer yeah because i guess it, it had to be like right after the the world war so they were yes yeah yeah so they're all born in like i guess i think one the oldest is maybe the late 30s but the rest of them are from like the late 40s in terms of their their birthdays yeah um but there's actually quite a lot of like generally the gobbles as an area has produced a lot of people who are famous in britain for you know for music comedy and things like that there's i don't want to like overly generalize but it is one of those things like a lot of areas that can be quite economically deprived end up having kind of quite a few people or like social social cultural clout in other ways because yeah i mean i think that's that's really interesting and and you see it happen uh it happens in in vancouver too i think um but it it goes hand in hand with uh, another uh, hot topic which is gentrification so yes, i mean yeah. in 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 somewhere like the the corbels is that am i saying it right it's gobbles with a g go like like gobbles like the the ss officer no 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 <laughs> oh god no that'd be terrible um <laughs> gobbles like g-o-r-b-a-l-s okay gobbles got it sorry yeah. um 
It's my British accent. We we don't pronounce it. It's my Canadian accent. Gosh. (laughs) Um, The Gorbals. But um, I'm going to have to to read into that. But I mean, I think it's, you get that. So what will happen is the artists move in because A, it's it's cheap they can afford to to live and and continue their practice and then you get the second wave gentrifiers who see that and they're like wow this is such a desirable place to live yes yeah, yeah. full of art and culture and then third wave everything's condos the sad yes, sad yeah, yeah. cycle yeah so i live i live in bristol uh, but i wasn't brought oh, up in bristol bristol's very nice and bristol has been very gentrified in certain areas but i will have Gobble, the Gobbles as an area actually has not really seen gentrification. I mean, it really has had like a lot of economic deprivation for a long time, unfortunately. I mean, I know there are issues with gentrification, but it's almost sadder in a way that it's not even seen any of that, really. it's. Uh, I think it's still to this day is, is quite a deprived area. Wow. But this isn't about the Gobbles. This isn't a geography lesson. This is about <laughs> Gentle Giant <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird music that they made. So this song, I have to be there. Are, this is a song I like a lot. One of my favorite. It, I guess it is one of my favorite General Giant songs, but it is also one of the songs where I, I think for me with General Giant, they're so weird and they're so idiosyncratic that I, I feel after a while I do find it quite hard once you know their wider discography to like remember and pinpoint individual songs because I feel like everything's such a, a kind of mixing pot of weirdness that every song... I, I don't think it would be fair for me to say that every song sounds the same, um, but you get a lot of the same weirdness in every song. Does that make sense? Totally. Um, and I feel, I feel a little bit with this song sometimes, but for me, it's always a cool experience listening to it because the guy is a great vocalist. The vocals, are, I, I think they're really good. They're, again, eccentric. The instrumentation's cool. It's heavy and dark while still having that kind of mm-hmm. weirdness. Um, but I was going to say, so specifically... I have a bit of a theory, and tell me if I'm wrong, but my theory is that British, maybe more, maybe generally British musicians are more eccentric than, like, American musicians as a kind of general rule. I don't know. I mean... You know, I, I, I can say with, um, not to relate this against Gentle Giant, but I think for, for me, the majority of my favorite artists come from the UK. And I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know what it is, but... Uh, something about the british they just they got it figured out you know i think Look, they they sent I, I want to make sure that when i say that i don't want i don't want you to think that i'm being like too proud of it and it's you know it's not my credit hey look i'm it <laughs> uh, for anyone listening he's swelling his mustache it's not that kind of attitude i swear um it's look i'm i'm not pink floyd you know i'm not jimmy page i don't get to take credit for it but it's something i mean when i think of like the biggest american acts you know i i like a lot of them but this, even like Queen, who are one of the biggest British acts, they're quite eccentric, actually. They're quite wacky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily hear that in, I don't know, the Eagles or I'm trying to think of other massive American bands. Some of them, some of them definitely are wacky. They, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're not, but, um, and I feel like British, it's one thing specifically on the point of progressive rock, that British progressive rock. It's more theatrical almost. Yes, and I think Rush can be a bit wacky, but they're more nerdy. And I don't say that as an insult. I'm massive nerd myself, anyway. <laughs> it's okay. You can attack uh, Rush. That's all we got. Like... <laughs> I've actually I've done that on previous episodes, so I need to not do it too much. Um, but um, what was I going to say? 
Yeah, and Dream Theater are massive. Well, they're one of the biggest kind of post seventies progressive rock yeah. bands, and they're not very eccentric at all. And I kind of I miss that a lot out of, and I think it's what made progressive rock for me, for me personally, quite an interesting genre. Yeah, I think for Dream Theater for me, it's I I could really never get into it because I think John Petrucci is a fan is a phenomenal guitarist, but yeah, yeah, he's insane. It's almost like look how fast I can play instead of. Wow, I'm trying to push the boundaries of music and write a great song. It's yes, it, yeah. I think you, you, you folk would call him a, a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. I I use that term quite a lot, actually. Like guitar wankery is, yeah. is one of my favorite terms. And <laughs> hey, sometimes there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes, hey, look, if someone can shred, sometimes it's fun just seeing someone shred because it's it's cool. But there's a time and a place. And I so I actually went to see Dream Theater live with a friend of mine who um his girlfriend bought him two tickets and she was going to go see it and then they broke up and i was the i was the only person who he figured would be even remotely interested um and i think i'd already told him i don't like dream theater but when you get offered a free ticket to see a band like you can't say no go see it yeah yeah and i have to say they put on a hell of a show obviously it was astounding they were ridiculous absolutely spot on um and then I tried to kind of get into them a little bit more afterwards, you know, like go home, listen to them. I did just, I just, I could not get it to click. I don't know what it was. Um, I mean, I do know what it was. It was that kind of wankery that we mentioned. And it was yeah. also. Yeah. I not, I, let's not make this about why Dream Theater no. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, think... that, that's next week's episode. Why Dream Theater <laughs> sucks. Uh, I could, I think I could do a big series on that actually. Um Part, part one of a 12-part miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best not to do that. Um, but the, the, the specific note that comes back to that is I do feel like they, they're lacking that eccentricity that, to be fair to Gentle Giant, do. They definitely have that eccentricity in spades. And, yeah, it's a shame in a way that we summed up the episode so well at the start that, you know, they're a cool band, they're interesting, but maybe not for everyday listening. Because yeah. I, I really, I just have to agree with that statement, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> it's a bit of a wrap-up at this point, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's... <laughs> that's it. Well, that's, that's it. We... <laughs> he came to the point we were hoping for. Okay. Um... <laughs> so good. Well, I mean, we do have uh, we do have the last track here, which was... Uh... Yes. I was... The Advent of Pen... I don't know how to say it. Panurge? Panurge, yeah. Um. Panurge. <laughs> over Chariton Bridge Look, do you see the man who so this this is another one of my favourite songs by them, actually. I mean, it's no coincidence that I chose some of my favourite General Giant of songs. Of course. That's the whole point of the playlist. But um, I really like this one. And this one is very, very eccentric. And this kind of hits on a lot of the things I've seen before. Because, again, it's referencing uh, Rabelais' literature. Panurge is a character in Gargantua and um, Pantagruel. Got it. Okay. So, from what I remember, Gargantua is the father and Pantagruel was his son. Um, and they're like weird giants. And Panurge was one of the characters in there. So I don't really know the story, but I think he was just kind of like another giant who just wanted to eat everything or like okay. he's have sex so... with everything or something. I don't know. He's he's uh, he's the not-so-gentle giant. There we go. Yeah, he is the not-so-gentle giant to gentle giants, gentle giant. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that's pretty much it. Um, they have another song that is um, named after Pantagruel, which is called Pantagruel's Nativity. Thank you. 
which is I would I mean that's another out of these four that is the kind of next one to go to and that's one of my favorite I think it was the first song I ever heard by them and that is how would I explain that I'll briefly describe that and then we'll get specifically onto this song that song is kind of almost peak gentle giant it has like the weirdness it's heavy uh, it's spooky it's kind of scary it sounds actually Vocally, it's almost like a church choir kind of feel, but that kind of uh, medieval counterpoint with weird, dark guitar and vibraphone and stuff like that. It's an odd song, and it is very... Genuinely, I think I heard it first when I was about 14, and it kind of scared the pants off of me. It is a weird song. But we should actually talk about Advent of Panage. What did you think about this song? That is, that's the important thing here. What I mean, did you I think... think of it? I think this song it was it was definitely like an epic from start to finish. <laughs> Spooky. I, I think yeah. I mean, you've touched on really all the things I can say about Gentle Giant. It's it's unsettling. Again, the lyrics are really cool. I did not uh, know um, that uh, these were based off uh, a, a, a story, but uh, I mean, it kind of makes a little bit more sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I don't on think... the one hand, I'm like, oh, these guys are like it's. It, I I definitely can admire the the concept album behind behind things. You know, I think that's a really a lost art in in today's music, um, and something I'm I'm personally striving to striving to to do is like come across with more of a concept rather than just like typical. Yeah, song, 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 song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's actually interesting you say that. So this song was off of Octopus. Um, So can you guess how many songs might have been on this album? Eight. Yes. (laughs) So as far as... (laughs) So I think it was actually like a bit of a joke that it was um, like a pun on Octo-Opus, like eight and like Magnum-Opus. Oh, You know, these guys always have their weird little jokes. That's what they always do. Yeah. Um, and there are, some, there are some very strange songs on this, as, uh, you know, again, I'm repeating myself, as you'd expect from Gentle Giant. But um, from what I remember hearing, I think it was Ray Shulman, one of the brothers, specifically mentioned that around the time this album came out was actually when, like, the public perception of concept albums kind of soured a bit. You know, you had albums like Quadrophenia or Tommy, which were huge mm-hmm. around the mm-hmm. same time. But progressive rock kind of took it a step further. And I think a lot of the record buying public kind of got turned off a bit by that, which is strange because, you know, Pink Floyd was still selling tens of millions of albums doing pretty much the same thing. Um, But for a band like Gentle Giant, who never really had that commercial success, I think it would have been quite hard for them (laughs) with the music they were making with these kind of like highfalutin concepts, they're really, again, it's what they said before, they were dead right. You know, they weren't that interested with commercial success. And you almost, I'm almost inclined to say, maybe they should have been a bit more interested because it's a shame that they, if it wasn't for the internet and stuff like that, they could have just completely sunk under. And I'm not sure how many people would remember them, but. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, without this connectivity, they would have been, uh, um, banished to the the 99 cent bin at your local record store yes but. they probably were for a little bit because i mean um I, d- I don't know how old you are but i remember i remember buying cds and stuff and it, it's so weird now that like my nephews who are you know 13 they they must see like um 
a big rack of CDs on a shelf somewhere and just be like, why, why would you do that? that? Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I'm 30. Um, yep. I'm 30 as well. So there you go. Perfect. Twins. Um, but yeah, I mean, back in the, I, I recently, maybe two years ago, I had a large collection of CDs, maybe like 500 yeah. or something. And I, I got rid of them at one of our mm. local shops here. They were, they bought all the ones that were worth money. And then we, we put the other ones in the free bin. Um, but yeah, now I don't even own a th- anything to play a CD. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think I have the same problem. Oh, I have a CD player in the car. That is it. Because I, I, I know this because um, someone in my band every Christmas puts together a, like a Christmas playlist of like obscure Christmas songs from, you know, <laughs> like country or folk bands or whatever like that. And I got it. And I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> what my, my pc doesn't have a cd drive my work laptop doesn't have one uh i thought they would play in a playstation 4 but cds don't work in a playstation 4 um so there's nothing and i realized that it could play it in the car so i listened to it in the car but that is the only place and i still have cds um in fact they're under my desk that i'm currently at now yeah. and i don't know i don't know why i have them um but when i was you know when i was 14 15 and probably uh, a little bit beyond that i remember you know spending bits of my pocket money or money that i got from a job on cds totally and you know some of them could be quite expensive i'm not bitter i'm not bitter at all i'm a little bit bitter that i spent so much money (laughs) um but it's crazy and i sorry back to the point of general giant i do think they probably were relegated to the 99 pence well in britain it's pence 99 cents i like like pence better pence sounds better Oh yeah, well yeah, cool. I'll take that. You know, oh. well done, Brian. You got yeah. you got one thing right. There you <laughs> <Yes>. go. <laughs> um, I think they probably were relegated to that kind of bin for a while. Um, but you know, they're still not huge. They're not massive. They're never. They're never. You know, you've listened to them. They're never going to have a massive following. But I definitely, I, they're definitely an underrated band. And I think so. Advent of Panage was probably out of these four. It probably was my second favorite song. I think I really appreciate that kind of. What would I? Because it's genuine. It can be genuinely quite catchy, in spite of how off kilter it is, um, and it does have a catchy feel to it. But I also do like that kind of. They really change. It's almost like they change pace and tone, almost a breakneck pace. Sometimes you just think like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why did you do that? That is oh, such right. an insane change." And. I think it really. I think it works in this song. It's almost like to prove that they could. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, this kind of comes back to the pretentious thing for me. That's kind of fun and cool, and I appreciate it. But again, it's not daily listening. Yeah. But it just sounds like a bunch of guys having fun. And I would say, if if you can look up a video of them playing it live, because they can really, they can actually, they can actually reproduce this live very effectively. It's not like something that they could only do in a studio, you know, by editing little bits in. They can fully reproduce it. And I just watch that and I think... It's incredible. That's insane. It's incredible. I I like to think I'm not a bad musician, but when you watch things like that, you think, maybe I am. (laughs) Maybe I'm not very good because that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, I think with with today's age, it's... I mean, you think of back then when they're recording this, say like 1971 or whatever... It was all straight to tape. So I feel like you had yes, to be yeah. really, really well rehearsed beforehand. Otherwise, it was just yeah, like yeah. a catastrophic waste of money. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true, isn't it? Yeah. 
like it's now like it's a bad habit <laughs> yeah i mean now it's like everything's straight to digital so it's like you can make mistakes all day long but <laughs> yeah yeah it's true it's true um so i was gonna say one one final thing for me one thing that gentle giant quite interestingly don't do for such a bunch of uh very technically competent show-offy in a way guys they don't shred they don't they're not about that kind of flashiness and it's almost completely unique compared to other progressive rock bands that everyone else would have that moment where they're like you know get the spotlight on the stage i'm going to take like a big a big guitar solo and i'm going to play something insane they they just don't do that and it's yeah. it's actually quite odd and quite it's 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 unique i think yeah and i mean i think that that adds to their their uh kind of the the wheelhouse of progressive rock you know because it's like they they were all about doing things that you wouldn't expect and i mean if you in in a typical prog rock song i mean i expect like a big climax guitar solo in most yes, cases yeah. but i think that's yeah, yeah that's the progressiveness in its essence right there is they're they're taking what you would expect and not doing it. yeah 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 and in that respect, they're kind of the most progressive rock of all the progressive rock bands. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of are. Um, they're not, again, they're not necessarily my favorite. No, I mean, they're not. They're not. I can say that quite unequivocally, actually. They're not my favorite. <laughs> I think my favorite, uh, I don't know who my favorite is. I really love Yes, and I, I really like King Crimson um, when it comes to progressive rock. But they always have that special place in my heart as just this kind of bunch of slightly lunatic people. <laughs> um, and I, I think... I think that should be celebrated. I really do. I de- I think they're so underrated. Um, Absolutely, I I would I would call these guys underrated for sure. Cool. I, I feel like we've we've covered all the bases here, and we've really summed it up nicely as underrated, great, weird, eerie, unexpected. But you probably wouldn't want to listen to them every day. I think that's kind of our <laughs> we've summed them up quite beautifully there. Um, but um, I would say that's probably a good place for us to wrap up. I don't want to wrap up though. I don't want to wrap up before you talk about your band again. So just just give it a mention and kind awesome. of signpost people towards it. Uh, so Sleep Circle, uh, we're a heavy rock band from Vancouver, BC. Uh, you can find us at sleepcircleband.com, facebook.com slash sleepcircle, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everywhere we're under sleep circle uh we are releasing a new ep entitled renegade uh next month along with a live stream to go along with it so hit the website and uh, all the info's there nice so on the subject of social media i mean i need to admit i'm not i'm not proud of it i'm on tiktok now and i i really didn't want to be because tiktok is kind of annoying but i'm on it and it, it seems to be quite good so people who listen to this please check me out you know i'm on youtube you can listen to my podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts normally. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on all the things, usually just under Big Yellow Praxis. If you search for that and the social media of your choice, you'll find me. Uh, I do these podcasts as well as like a few music lessons. And I do kind of like little jam videos. So go out there, check it out. Give me a like, subscribe, that kind of thing. But I think that's it. I think that's a nice place to end and roll up the episode. I love it. So with that... Farewell, and thank you for chatting to me about in, uh, about Instagram. What the hell is in, it's stuck in my head? Now. Thanks for chatting to me about Gentle Giant. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. This was a great, great way to start the day. Yes.